From our WFUV studios in the Bronx, New York, it's the Pick and Pot. Drop us a voicemail at 347-903-WFUV. Now, here are your hosts, Kenny Ducey and Matt Rosenfeld. Guess what day it is? <laughs> what day is it, Kenny? Day. The best day of the week. The Pick and Pod, the first episode. Kenny Ducey at Kenny Ducey on Twitter. He is Matt Rosenfeld at Matty Rowe. Was it Matt Rowe? 14? 16, 16. 16. Come on, that's messed up. I don't know. Maybe I thought I thought you were. I don't I thought that was your age. And Kevin Kelly across from us, our producer. What is going on, Mr. Kelly? Not much, Kenny. It's good to be here. Yeah, good. To, you know, you're, you're wearing your Broncos stuff. I know you don't want to talk about them. Very superstitious, and the Jazz oh, jersey. Wow. You gotta get a Trey Burke jersey. I, that was. Yeah. I love. You're a Michigan fan. I'm a huge Michigan for all fan. People. I love what he's doing down there. And uh, he, you know, I, I do. I, the Jazz are. They're not that bad. And Trey Burke is. Oh, bit, I mean, I'm all in on him. I, I, I mean, they're obviously they're very bad, but I, I don't think they have talent there. <laughs> I think they have a little bit of talent. I don't know. We'll see. I, Trey Burke to me is special. I think he will be special one day. But anyway. Um, we have to, a lot to talk about in, in the uh, NBA in, in New York, and the Busy. Knicks are tanking, even though they don't have a pick, and the Nets <laughs> are, they realize they didn't have a pick, and yes, they are. Uh, last night to beat the Magic, we'll talk to Tom Lorenzo in a few moments about that, but first off, because you are uh, a Nets reporter here at the station, I'm a Knicks reporter, Kevin's yes, yeah. uh, a columnist, so we all have, uh, we all opine a bunch. Uh, you're, I mean, what have you seen out of this team that's really surprised you? I hate to use this word, but I've seen swagger. Uh, know, Darren Williams used it last night. They He's are, a little in a different position. At, at yeah, you, I don't really have that kind of push, I guess. I've seen a team that's extremely confident, and it's completely polar opposite from what I saw earlier in the year. You know, I remember going to games back in November and early December where the team would just look defeated. Coach Jason Kidd looked confused. And now you just see a team that goes out every night, and I know they said this last night, but they look like they can beat every team, and they have beaten some of the best teams in the league, the Warriors, the Heat, and I think that they can compete with the tops in the league. Maybe not over a seven-game series, but any given night, I'll take the Nets. I'm a big fan of Andre Blatch. I really am. Very uh, live. He and he was. He, he said last night uh, we had that monster dunk. Uh, that he said the you know everyone when I get the ball they think I'm gonna do something. And like he always does something. It's just it's really he's just exciting. And now with Brooke Lopez out, I mean he's played a huge role on that team. And this team they're figuring it out. And you know Kevin Garnett was really bad early. Now he's started to come on. Found that Jay. Yeah, he, he has. It. And I mean, it, you know, as an Knicks fan, I don't want to admit it, but I mean this team could be fun to watch if you know they continue to click like this. Well, the way I see it is, we all know the Heat and the Pacers are one-two. Not in that order, obviously. Pacers before Heat. I, I, you know, what? I think so too. But I think so too. The Nets are an interesting team. You know, they're getting hot, possibly getting hotter, and they're—I don't want to say healthy, but relatively healthy compared to how they've been earlier. Darren's back. He's playing a much better role, and I think the way they're going now, if Kirilenko stays healthy, Darren stays healthy, and just in general. They're able to provide depth the way they have been lately. Why can't they be the third best team in the East? All right, so now we bring in our our, our guest in the leadoff spot here, Tom Lorenzo of Nets Daily at Tom Lorenzo. How, how honored do you feel to be on the first episode of the Pick and Pod? <laughs> it's, an, uh, it's a big honor. I'm, I'm extremely honored to be the first guest. Uh, you know, they say you work your whole life to, to be the first guest of the, the Pick and Pod uh 
podcast, and you know, here I am, and uh, it's it's definitely a, a huge honor, and I'm excited to be here. Well, we'll have to run a little pick and roll, Enzo here, and I, I have to apologize <laughs> to the the listeners. That was Tom's pun, not mine. But we'll we'll start off with last night's game uh, for the Nets because Darren Williams said something very interesting after a big win against the Magic uh, that kind of caught my ears. He was talking, he was asked about Jason Kidd's coaching, and he said that you know once Lawrence Frank left then Kidd could kind of coach how he wanted to. I mean, do you put any stock into that, the fact that it's kind of like a still-blame-Lawrence type attitude here? You know, I think uh, I, I think the issue is that things are going so well for the team, uh, and, and you usually kind of find that in situations like this when things are going so well, uh, they, they, they seem to kind of rally around, you know, that one uh, scapegoat, and in this case, of course, it is Lawrence Frank, and and uh, you know we don't necessarily know. Uh, we've heard rumblings, but we don't necessarily know the extent to to kind of what happened between J Kid and, and and Lawrence Frank. But it certainly seemed like you know Frank uh, didn't necessarily accept his role as as J Kid's assistant, uh, and and played more of a a mentor slash. Uh, you know, second head coach, uh, and and obviously, you know, when things were were going poorly for the Nets, it it was easy for, you know, the team to kind of point a finger at Lawrence Frank, and you know, I do think you're right. It was an interesting quote, but um, you know, kids showing he's, he's doing a great job. Uh, I think it, it's more about him getting comfortable in the role, and more about the players getting comfortable with each other than it is, you know, just ridding yourself of, of an assistant coach. But, uh, yeah, there's certainly, you know, reason to, to give Kid a lot of credit. And, and uh, you know, if you want to kind of point a finger at Lawrence Frank, I suppose that's fine. But I'm sure if you ask Jason Kidd, uh, he'll say it's just a matter of him getting more comfortable and, and being more familiar with the players and the system and, and uh, you know, less about just removing an assistant coach as to why they're, you know, or he's doing a better job. I think it's just more on uh, him and, and his comfort level. Uh, Tom, now, Kid is definitely getting more comfortable. You can see it. He doesn't wear a tie anymore. Everything's going. Everything's coming up, Kid. Joe Johnson's playing great. The lineups are playing well together. Do you see him getting more comfortable? Because his lineups have been striking extremely positive, and these two point guard lineups especially with Sean Livingston and Deron Williams are really impressing me. What do you see the kids doing differently that has resulted in such a great 2014 you know, I think there's a lot of factors, but one thing is that, yeah, you have to look at, at kids' comfort level. I mean, he is, again, he's a first-time head coach, and, uh, you know, there are high expectations because this team was so talented on paper, but he's never been an assistant coach. He's never run a team. Uh, you know, he's always been touted, obviously, for his basketball IQ and, and his ability to run a team on the floor, but on the sidelines, it's a whole different ball game. Uh, so I think that's a big case, and I, and I think when you're you've had so many injuries with this team as well, uh, their inability to be able to get comfortable together. You talk about you know uh, you know the two point guard system. You talk about Darren Williams now coming off the bench. There's a lot of these different scenarios, but they're working because 
the team and the players are finally able to get more comfortable. Uh, Kevin Garnett knows, knows his role with this team. Paul Pierce knows his role with the team. Uh, you've got Alan Anderson who knows he's a, he's a defensive and three point specialist with this team. Uh, so these guys are starting to fill into their roles and know exactly what's being asked of them. And I think that's a huge part of it as well. Not having the injuries, uh, having to find roles is really helping make Jason Kidd's job a lot easier. And Tom, we know that the Nets have really just surged uh, in this the beginning of 2014, and it's been a large part because of Joe Johnson, uh, Andre Blatch playing very Blatchett uh, last night. He, look, he's he's been really good. Uh, is this something that they can keep up though? Because you look at Joe Johnson's last few years, and I mean he, he hasn't really been, you know that that guy who you're like, okay, you know we're gonna ride Joe Johnson. I mean it has to be a little of Darren, right? But you know that I mean he's been hurt a lot. I mean is this something that the Nets can continue to do win like this? I think they can, and I think a big reason of that is their depth. Um, you know they really do have nine guys who they can count on night in night out. Uh, you know, you talk about a bench. Right now, their bench, and, and of course, you know, it'll probably change once they move Darren back into the starting lineup. But their bench, they're coming off with Darren Williams, uh, Andre Blatch, uh, Karolanko. Um, you know, they, they've got these guys uh, that, that are able to come off the bench and provide such a punch. Uh, Mirza Teletovic is playing great basketball. Uh, so you've got, you've got the depth on this team. And one thing Jason Kidd's been able to point out over the last few games is that because they're so deep, uh, they don't have to extend minutes. There was no guy uh, on this Nets team that played more than 29 minutes last night. Um, you know, and, and, and that's obviously you're not going to get many games against an 11-30 and 30 team, but, you know, if they can extend these guys' minutes and not have them, you know, play uh, much more than at 28 to 30 minutes per game, uh, you can have Joe Johnson down the stretch, uh, be a little crisper, have you know a little more bounce in his step. You can have Paul Pierce not worry about breaking down. Uh, same with Kevin Garnett. So um, I think they can keep it up uh, if they can stay healthy, especially because of the depth that they have and their ability for Jason Kidd to limit the minutes to these veterans and keep them a little fresher down the stretch. The depth has been impressive, Tom, and one guy that really has impressed me has been AK-47, Andre Kirilenko, because whenever people were talking about him coming back as such a big piece, I always kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, is he really going to be that much of a factor? You look at the stat sheet, he's really not, but what he brings to the court, I basketball IQ-wise, has just been off the charts, and it's something that I really noticed has really turned the team around. Do you see what I see? Is he really bringing something that can't be measured in the stat book? No, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, you're right in that his impact isn't, you know, if you wake up, look at the box score the next morning or, you know, look at the scores online, you're not going to be blown away by Andre Karolanko's numbers if you don't watch the game. But if you do watch the game, you realize how good he is. And I think the most important thing is how active he is. Uh, he's a great help defender. He's one of those guys who, you know, if somebody gets beat off the dribble, uh, if, if, if somebody gets beat on the back door and a screen in the back door, uh, you can almost always count on Andre Karolinko to be there as a help defender. Uh, you can count on his active hand somebody who can disrupt the passing lanes. Uh, so he makes it really difficult on uh, the defensive side of the ball. In terms of offense, you know, he's quick. 
He can get out in the open floor so he can push the pace more with Darren Williams in that second unit. Uh, so he really helps there. Uh, but you're right. It's kind of those little things that, that don't really translate into the box scores that, that Karolanko does. And he's proven to be such a huge impact, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, which is where, you know, it, it's, it's no mistake that since Karolanko's come back, the Nets have been among the top four or five teams uh, in defensive efficiency. You know, he's that good and that important to this team. Uh, and you kind of start to see that turnaround once Karolanko came back from back injury, uh, that, that defense got so much better for the Nets. And Tom, two games out of the Atlantic now are the Nets with that great defense. And Toronto, they're, they're 500 at 20 and 20. And of course, they are Toronto. You know, how do you see this Atlantic shaking out? Because the Knicks, well, you know, obviously they've had a lot of struggles over the past four games, but they did just show us something on a winning streak. Uh, I mean, is it the Nets to lose at this point? I do think so. Two games out, and it, it feels like they're the first-place team. It's kind of strange. Uh, but it, it does feel like the way the Nets are playing, uh, Toronto – you know, great job by DeMar DeRozan, uh, Kyle Lowry. I think both those guys probably deserve to be all-stars this year. But can they sustain uh, over, the, you know, the second half of the season? And, and can this Toronto team, you know, really keep up, especially with the way the Nets are playing? Uh, I, I do think it's the Nets division to lose. Uh, it's kind of interesting that, you know, it feels like there's two teams, the Nets and the Knicks, that are actually trying to win the division. You know, Toronto right now seems to be trying, but... You wonder if uh, they start to slip a little, you know, they might be looking to make a move or see if they can get a better draft pick. Uh, but, you know, the Nets and the Knicks are definitely trying to win the division. But right now the Knicks are kind of falling up short and, and the Nets are surging. So I think it's their division to lose. And, and, and they're definitely, in my eyes, the favorite to win the Atlantic right now. Let's say they do win the Atlantic, Tom. Uh, we all know the class of the East is the Pacers and the Heat. They're far and away better than everyone else. Is there? Would you say the Nets are probably the be, the team with the best chance not to get blown out by either of these two teams? Yeah, you know, I, right now you have to think that. Um, you know, again, Toronto, to me, playing well, but I just don't think they'll sustain through the full season. Uh, Atlanta, I think if they had a healthy Al Horford, uh, it might be a different kind of game, or it might be a closer game, I, you know, I don't think even with a healthy Al Horford, they'd compete with Miami or Indiana, but, you know, again, talking about not getting blown out, they, they might give them a better shot, but, you know, I think the Nets with their depth, uh, and the fact that they've, they've you know, struggled against Indiana this year, but they've, they've beaten the Heat twice this year, uh, and, and you know, they've, they've, they've given the Heat a ton of fits, and if Dwayne Wade can't stay healthy, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's LeBron, Bosch, and, and, and quote-unquote the rest of the guys, I think this uh, Nets team can really give them a run for their money. I think the, the Pacers right now are the class of the, divi- of the conference because of Dwayne Wade's health, uh, and I do think that, you know, the Nets are that third team and can definitely give the Heat a, Heat a little test in the playoffs if they have to play against each other. All right, Tom. So we kind of you know expanded everything to the uh, the rest of the East. I want to talk about. I want to get your hot takes on, on a few uh, items here. First off, uh, Kevin Durant, who has been playing unbelievable. Unfortunately, we didn't get to. We, we were in the Nets locker room last night and didn't get to see him get angry and help the Thunder to a 12-2 run at the end of that one. Uh, is it kind of like 
scary to you that he's in his eighth season and he's still getting better? I mean, he's he's entering his prime, we think? Yeah. I, I mean, he's so good. He's, he's so good. I think uh, right now, uh, if I had to, I'd, I'd absolutely give him a vote for MVP. Uh, you know, you've got other guys like Paul George, Marcus Aldridge, who, who you can talk about, of course, LeBron James. Uh, but I think I think Kevin Durant right now is the best of the bunch, and uh, you know, just continuing to play fantastic basketball without Russell Westbrook there is really putting this team on his shoulders. Um, you know, I think the biggest question is. You know, how far he feels he can take this team, uh, because, you know, 2016, you know, while it is kind of a, a far ways away, it is right around the corner in terms of basketball terms. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes, uh, or if he decides to leave, leave Oklahoma City. But, you know, right now he's, 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 the, he's playing the best basketball in the NBA and is probably, uh, worthy of, uh, MVP vote for how well he's been playing. Hey, all I'm saying, the Knicks have a lot of cap space when Kevin Durant's a free agent. No uh, chance. No before, chance. Before we get you out of here, the, <laughs> the, Nick, the nickname jerseys have been making a lot of uh, news in the NBA. I Dre wanted Live. to know. Yes, yeah, so Dre Live is, is like one of my, I can't believe how great that nickname is personally. What would your nickname be, Tom? And uh, do you even, I mean, do you even like these? Because it seemed like Twitter was very upset yes, last night. Uh, you know, the nickname jerseys, I, I think I would like them more. I feel like players aren't taking them as serious. Yeah, enough, like you, uh, like Gio, like, come on, man. Yeah. Hey, oh, yeah. come on. Uh. I mean, Joe Johnson actually has nicknames, you know, Joe Cool, and, you know, obviously Kevin Durant called him Joe Jesus, and, you know, he has a couple other nicknames, can you remember off the top of my head, but he just, you know, just going with JJ was, eh. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think if the players really kind of put a little more thought into it, It'd be fun. I actually liked uh, uh, Toko's jersey, Tokomotive. I mean, that was fun. <laughs> that was that was different. But like, he's not an impact player, so nobody's going to be going around buying Tokomotive jerseys. Not yet. Or Money um, Mace too. That one was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some good ones out there, but I don't think they all took them really serious. And, and you know, it, it's uh, I, I don't know. I I don't necessarily. I'm not in favor of them. Uh, if they had more. If the players had more fun with them. I think it would have been a better, better sell, but you know, I I don't think I would have. I don't I don't I don't actually have a nickname. I don't know. I can I could go with. You could go with Roland or TL. TL, yeah. <laughs> I'd go lazy and just go with TL. There you go. <laughs> anyway, that is Tom Lorenzo, who uh, of course the Nets outscoring opponents by seven and a half points over the you know the past month, and Tom. Outscoring other bloggers by seven and a half tweets per 100 tweets. Uh, so go follow him on Twitter, at Tom Lorenzo. We really appreciate the time today. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not very quick in, in the morning here thinking of things. But when I think of a nickname, I will let you know. Yeah, I'm, and as soon as you think of one and let me know, it'll be my official nickname. I will that, stamp it, and it'll be official. That's a lot of pressure. Tom Lorenzo, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. All right, thank you, guys. Always great stuff from Tom, and I don't know. It's cool that you know we we, we wanted him in the leadoff spot for a reason. You yeah, know, he always, always brings that straight talk. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He's had his name chanted at Nets games. I I can't. I personally can't believe that it happened. I was there, and one section you were there. One section, I guess, got word of him, and they chanted. Tom they knew Lorenzo, he was in the it building. Was, it was awesome. Um, a lot of people get word that celebrities are in the building at Madison Square Garden usually, not just at Barclays with you know Tom in the house on a consistent basis. <laughs> there was an article in the New York Times about this, 
um, which I, I found kind of interesting. And you also look at the attendance totals I did yesterday morning, um, at least leading into the games last night. The Knicks, the Knicks are third in the league in average attendance. They're getting, you know, the Kate Uptons, the Chris Rocks of the world's courtside. And I mean, the, the article, you know, compares them to the Lakers, which those are really the only two teams that are going to, you know, do this. I mean, the Nets aren't doing it. They'll get Rihanna every once in a while. It's but a I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, you're getting, on a consistent basis, Giants, Rangers, even Yankees uh, with comp tickets. You know, Kate Upton, who I met, I, I happily passed by and Matt, smiled, don't say Matt. smiled at. I <laughs> smiled at her as she looked down at her phone, but I could tell people I smiled at her because I did smile at her. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. I, I just well, thought that was an interesting Well, I dynamic. think, you know, when you're in the middle of Midtown, people are there. People want to be there, you know. It's not like Brooklyn's nice and all, but... It's not exactly the place to be the way Midtown Manhattan is. And I think we saw even when Isaiah Thomas was running the Knicks, they drew celebrities and they drew fans. And I don't think that'll ever change. Yeah, well, when I was there uh, just after Christmas, they had Ad-Rock from the Beastie Boys, and they love doing those intros when they have somebody. They had Kellen Lutz, the guy who's going to be in Hercules. So they have some kind of video prepared yeah. each time. They're Justin always, Tuck, you were saying Giants. They run over them be- before the game, too. When yeah. you're out there, they're like, they you can see them like going through different clips. And, like, I didn't know they did that. Use. Yeah, like Adam Sandler, though, I mean, since he's there, like every game, they'll have to, they go through literally like five scenes from movies, and usually it's grown ups, but it's, yeah. it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. And they also had uh, Joel McHale there, too. So they always prep something before, and it is cool to see that. Pete Wentz was at the last game. I'm blaming the last loss on Pete Wentz, by the way. That, well, he was what did there. he do to, bl- for he the was Knicks there. to get blown he out? He cursed the, way the Knicks. They did. He did. He did it. He, he cursed the Knicks. I think Bargnani cursed the Knicks. I, you know, w- let's talk about Andrea Bargnani because I was. I was severely wrong about Andrea Bargnani. Yeah, we know. Uh, we all know. He, um, I, I thought, look, and I actually wrote, I, I just poured out my thoughts in this column that I'll, I'll, I'll tweet out um, about him. I, I, look, I thought he was not, everyone told me, you know, oh, he, he's going to ruin the Knicks. You know, you don't know who this guy is. He's, he's not a good basketball player. And I thought to myself, man, how, that's silly. How could one man, one seven-foot man, ruin <laughs> an entire team? I mean, how, how could that happen? And he can't shoot on a consistent basis. He can't shoot threes, right? He's got terrible hands. He can't really rebound. He can't protect the rim for his life. <laughs> um, he, he has no idea what he's doing on a basketball court. Uh, which I've I've seen in video uh, in uh, reviewing some of the Knicks games. I mean, Tyson Chandler will tell him, okay, you know, you know, go to the top of the key, uh, or go to the you know outside the line on the left wing, and he'll just like turn around and tell Tim Hardaway to go there. I mean, it's like he does not know what he's doing on a basketball court, and it really hurts the Knicks. Uh, I didn't know I didn't know Bargnani much before he came to the Knicks. You know, I always thought I always thought. Oh, here's this seven-footer. He's going to spread the floor. He's going to shoot the three at a decent pace. And he's going to be able to protect the rim well enough when Tyson can't do so. Well, it's been the exact opposite. He's pretty much been, I don't want to say a cancer because he's not a bad dude, but you could feel the negative aura when he's around in the game and such. And I just don't, I don't. Well, but, but, okay, I, I, it's tough, though, because he does have his stretches. He does score the basketball at times. But you look at the numbers, and it's he is overwhelmingly negative to this team. I mean, they, they're getting outscored. Uh, the Knicks' seven worst lineups over the past four games that they've been losing all have Andrea Bargnani in them. Now, 
you're going to hate this, but four of those seven also have Tim Hardaway in them. Oh, so Tim Hardaway... Party no, time, Tim. Look, you look at the last game for the Knicks, based on ratings, based on advanced metrics, Tim Hardaway Jr. was their best offensive player, but he was their worst defensive player, worse than Bargnani. Bargnani was actually their best defensive player. I'll pose you this, though. Do you feel... I don't feel like Bargnani brings anything to the table. You know, he might be two small negatives, but he's overwhelmingly negative. At least with Tim, you could say... All right, here he is providing on offense. We can overcome his defensive woes. Is that true, or is he really that bad? Uh, now, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't see the consistency with Tim Hardaway Jr. on offense. Uh, I get, you know what though? But there's no one really consistent. So maybe he's the most consistent. Uh, there's just there are too many of those Knicks. Uh, honestly, I think that if, if you get Jr. out of town, then I think he perfectly replaces Tim Hardaway Jr. I, I, I mean, I don't know. You have to play him because you look at the box score against their against the Nets, right? Yeah. And everyone, Raymond Felton was, I believe, two for eleven. Um, they were all uh, just awful, atrocious. Um, they from shot the floor. like J.R. Smith they were shooting like twenty percent in the middle, second they had a, third quarter. Right, they had a season low in field goal percentage at uh, just over thirty three percent. So they are really struggling to get anything going, and it's you know Amari Stoudemire being out. And I mean, Kenya Martin on the defensive end, but Amari on the offensive end, really hurting them. He he was their only consistent option scoring the basketball. So now you know your shots aren't falling from the outside. You have to feel for Melo because oh, Melo's yeah. trying. Yeah, no, you can't. I would never blame any of this on Melo. He's doing everything he can, and he's supposed to be the savior. But let's be real, you can't save anything with the team the Knicks are putting out there right now. I don't know. What do you think, Kev? See, that's the thing. I think it's been such an up-and-down season that even the blame on Bargnani, Kenny, I was one of the only people who was defending him with you early on in the year, and I still have somewhat of a defense for him because the season is so up-and-down, he actually was getting put in for defensive purposes in one game. I don't know if you remember. It was probably like 20 games ago. They were so I mean, it's lost. It's also Mike that Woodson he, doing that. that it is Mike Woodson, but yeah, they were throwing him in there. He can sometimes block shots, and I still actually have him on my fantasy team. He's I, just, you know, yeah. I, do, I, I think that's too. why. I do yeah. too. It's a, it's a deep league. I have, I have to, yeah, deep league. Team. No, yep. so, sorry. So I'm looking over Barnani's game logs over the last few games, and his defensive ratings have been almost laughable. It's. I mean, you you say that though, but he over the past uh, what over his past five since the, over the last week or so for the Knicks, he has actually had the best defensive rating on the team outside of Amon Shumpert and when you take out Murray and Aldridge who barely play. So I don't know what where does that you, say about know. the Knicks more so than well, what it says I mean, about Well, I mean it says a lot about the Knicks and I mean, you know, five games with Tim Hardaway Jr. he's got a, a He's allowing 121 points per 100 possessions. I mean, that's, that's that, that. But then that's how bad it is. And look, he brings a lot on offense, but he's also really negative on defense. Now, again, he's that the promising sign is he's a rookie, so you know he's going to be able to improve. Oh, this yeah, maybe, absolutely. But. And you know, I'm big on Tim Hardaway, another Wolverine. So I'm always rooting for him. But I think he can definitely be part of a Knicks group going forward that could be successful in the East. Free throws, by the way. Before we get to All Stars and and out of here. Um, Mello, the uh, first of all, the Knicks are four and fourteen when they get to the line twenty or more times. Now, obviously, they've shot terribly from the line, so maybe this is a problem for them. But I mean, Carmelo in general, when he's getting to the line ten or more times, I believe the Knicks are are one and eleven. I, I don't want to I don't want to say that's it, but I did tweet out that. Of course, I actually I'm very dumb. I deleted five weeks of my tweets, so I couldn't even go back and look at that. But I don't I don't know how that that, that seems almost no no. I I think it's right, but but it's it's doesn't make it makes sense to me because 
it, it doesn't make you happy, but it makes sense to me because usually when he's getting to the line, he's trying to do everything himself. He's trying to fight through double teams to the rim. Okay, because that does seem almost paradoxical. You would hope that when your star is getting to the line, that means right, but you're they, but a they're not. Game. They're not winning when he gets to the line. And the Knicks had a season high in free throw attempts against the Nets. Their and previous season high was against the Clippers the night before. They they are not doing well when they get to the free throw line. That's so, I guess that's so anti what you would think is the truth. And I don't know why. Why are the Knicks struggling so much when most teams, when they get to the line, are succeeding? What's different about the Knicks that make them a struggling team when they get to the line a lot? I don't know. I mean, does Kevin Kelly know? I don't know. I don't know, but you'd think it would help with a bunch of older bodies out there just getting a stoppage in play every once in a while. you think even that would help, but I, I couldn't explain you're, it if I tried. I mean, tried. You're, right. you're right, because this is a team that gets very fatigued, and you have Stoudemire, and even Prigioni is very old, and Martin, and I, you, you're right. I mean, you would think that that would be it. But well, I, if I had to take a guess, I would just say their defense is so terrible that it would not matter how many times they're getting to the line? I, I guess you're right. Um, I, I, I guess you are right. But I did want to bring that up because I just found that shocking. And I honestly, though, I do think, and I, I've been able to find video evidence of this, Carmelo will drive in, there will be two guys at the rim, three guys at the rim, and he'll try to get the foul or get the tough bucket rather than swing it around. And if you look at the only game Knicks have won in the past week, I mean, the Suns game, right, Uh it was a kick to Raymond Felton in the corner to win. He went in. It was double teamed. Great pass. He threw it out. By the way, right? Wonderful pass. But that's the thing is, and and they're also overwhelmingly great when he passes the ball and he has four more assists. And and again, I mean that you know, some of that comes with the other Knicks making their shots. And if they're not making their shots, then Carmelo's not going to pass. But um, I, I, they are a lot better when he's passing out of double teams. And he gets double teamed a lot. I think it's pretty obvious. It's a well-tried and tested fact that when your star is getting double teamed, look at every star in the league. When they pass out of it, their teams are successful. LeBron's the best at this, and his teams are the best. And I think, you know, it's not a direct result, but it's a correlation, and I think it's a pretty strong one at that. Let's move it on here, um, because the Knicks, I, I cry when I talk about them, and it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's not very fun to talk about the Knicks. Um, Kevin Durant. That's it. Just oh, guess that was man. all I wanted to say. I w- you know, we cover the New York teams respectively. I wish I could see a player like Kevin Durant. You're going night. to uh, when he, I am when he comes to, to Brooklyn. Next, next Friday, he comes to Brooklyn on the 31st, I believe. And I'm looking forward to just seeing him play in person because what he's been able to do without Russell Westbrook in is MVP caliber. And I'm a huge LeBron guy, but. I'm giving it to Kevin Durant right now, and I don't even think it's a question. I've been able to watch Kevin Durant and LeBron James in person three times combined over the past month, and it's been as great as you could imagine. Very, I mean, it, they're they are they are freaks, and you see what what Durant did last night. Um, he gets the technical because there was a you know just a, a bad a bad call on, it, on him. They happen. <laughs> he scores 46 points on 25 shots. Uh, six of seven from downtown. I, uh, how? I mean, it's just, it, it's so crazy. This guy's in his eighth year in the league. We I asked Tom, you know, the same thing. Mm-hmm. And he's he's not even in his prime yet. So the And, you know, of course, this brings up all of the discussions on Twitter, you know, all the you know, the MVP race and all the Mellow versus Durant, you know, kind of discussion that you always love to see in New York because it's funny. Um, you know, I just think that, this guy, we don't even know still what he is yet. 
Yeah, it's so funny because I can totally see why LeBron is jealous at this point. LeBron wanted to take all the <laughs> shots that Durant was taking. He's kind of, you know, envious. And Durant's been absolutely killing it. I want to throw one thing out there, guys. I actually have, I know I'm not a huge LeBron fan, but I have him as third as in the MVP race. I think Durant's first and Paul George is also ahead of him. Mm. I, I don't know what you guys think. I'm I'm a big fan of both of those guys, and I think they belong ahead. I, you know what I, I see Paul George. I see I I just and I, I you know what though here's the thing the only reason that Kevin Durant will win MVP this year and I'm saying he'll win it is because everyone all the voters are tired of voting for LeBron which even is though, ridiculous if you right, ask me even though he's the best player he's still the best player in the league but. I think Durant will slip will slip in there. But I mean that but to me that's the reason why LeBron's going to be second is because he's still the best player in the league. There are still people who realize it's the rational thing to do to vote him MVP. So Paul George, you look at a guy who's I don't I don't know if there are many guys who are more valuable to their team than Paul George. I mean, he brings so much. But you know, I don't know if that is going to get him second place in MVP voting. Yeah. I I think I I agree. I will, you know, buy that you put him there, but I just don't think that's how it's going to finish. That's fair. I just think Durant, he doesn't have Westbrook right now, so you at least agree with me that he's on top uh, yeah. at this point in the season. I think so. It's so just I'm undeniable. In, so I'm looking at uh, Zach Lowe's Twitter, and he he tweeted earlier this morning that Kevin Durant crossed into the uh, 50-40. He's pressing on the 50-40-90 threshold, which is 50% from the field, 40% from three, and 90 for, 90% from the line. And... He's over the first two. It's the free throws that he's a little behind on, which the more I read about Kevin Durant and his stats, the more I'm saying LeBron is the best player, but I can hear the argument for Durant, even if the r- reporters aren't sick of him rooting, voting for him for MVP. All right. Well, this was fun. Uh, it was. Blast. It, it's, it's only going to get better and more fun from here. That's Matt Rosenfeld at MattyRose16 on Twitter. Kevin Kelly on the other side giving us his... Wonderful thoughts and producing the show. And I'm Kenny Ducey, and follow all of us on Twitter and follow at WFB Sports on Twitter, and we'll see you next Wednesday for another show.